Before we start today's episode, eh, there's a little bit I just wanted to add in. Because of our usual ramblings and time getting away from us, there was a certain part of the film Hereditary that I particularly liked and wanted to mention, but forgot to. Eh, and that is, of course, the score by a Mr. Colin Stetson. So I'm just going to add in a little bit of creepy music at the start from the track Funeral. Enjoy. Hang on. Hello? Yes, I'm here. Okay, let's go. Hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Scare Traducing, the horror podcast that is serious about series, aka literally the worst name for a podcast. I'm Cal McNabb. I'm Priscilla Martinez. And this is probably going to be our shortest episode ever, our sniffiest episode ever. Um, yeah. I've got a little bit of the hay fever, Isela's got a little bit of a cold. A little bit. A li- you, you're pretty bad. Um, so we'll we'll keep it short and snappy because we don't want people hearing snotters all over their I don't know speakers or headphones. But you know we're pros. <laughs> we're gonna get this done. Uh, we are here. No, we're not. We're not pros. We're gonna be pros. We're gonna be we're gonna be professional about this. Positive attitude. We saw Osoti twice this weekend. Like so, a video. So, you know, we got Mizella's um, video and other people's dogs. <laughs> I know. I'm not. I'm not gonna post or anything because. Now, probably the person is going to know that I've been videoing them. No, so, yeah. I should delete those things. Yeah, those <laughs> anyway. anyway. Um, so, it's just a small bonus episode. We're cheating on what our podcast is about. So, obviously, we normally cover series. We have two weeks before uh, a special film that we want to talk about is coming out. So, we had to fill those two weeks. Midsummer is a film we're excited for. It comes... Uh, just over a week from now so we thought why not fill those two weeks with Ari Aster the same director so we're doing Hereditary today it's like our first little mini bonus episode and then Midsummer next week yeah and we actually have friends that want to go and see Midsummer with us uh, which will be nice they won't be on the podcast though unless I don't know get other microphones if they want to I doubt it so yeah we'll see how that goes but uh, talking Hereditary today and slightly bit of uh, housework whatever you call it before we get into it, we have had extra reviews on iTunes. Okay. Uh, so thank you. The internet has been very positive to us. We have five reviews now, all five stars. Thank you very much. Uh, just wanted to point out one review from Halloween Blues. says that the only grape is that I think that Seed of Chucky is the best and that apparently I'm wrong and it's Bride of Chucky. You normally are wrong. <laughs> I'm normally wrong. Yes. Thank you for that. The support from my wife, everyone. Just to let you know, Halloween Blues, uh, we did do a combined list between myself and Hazela's Chucky lists, and Bride of Chucky came out on top. So there you go. You think Bride of Chucky's the best, and combined, so do me and Hazela. Singularly. Singularly? Is that a word? I don't know. You're the one that speaks English. Um, I said seed, you said child's play, and we combined it into Bride. So that's just enough rambling. Isella doesn't look too happy, so we're going to just go dive right into it. Hereditary, in a word? Oh, are we doing a, in a word? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Just anything. Like. Like. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> okay, my word is pretty much the opposite. I would say distressing. Um, this film is bleak. It is What's bleak? Bleak. We'll put it this way. I think so. I watched Hereditary uh, two nights ago for the third time, and you didn't watch it. You were in the the beginning of your cold. You haven't seen it since the cinema. Is that correct? Correct. 
Okay, so you were in Zelda was in the beginning of her cold, and she was like, ah, "I remember enough of it. I'm not gonna watch it." No, I don't. <laughs> you don't remember it. Is. <laughs> well, I'll be talking about it. So, <laughs> hope, hope you remembered like two bits. I would imagine I remember at least a bit. Well, yeah, two, two bits. Right. Okay. So, um, on my third watch, I realized this film. It, well, I didn't realize. The thing I notice more is that this film does scare me. So when we saw it at the cinema, did it scare you? Yes. Right. It really terrified me when we saw it at the cinema. I remember yeah. saying to someone at work, they were so like, "You're saying no anymore." No, 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 no. I'm, this, this, this is the thing. It's a roller coaster. So last year when I was working at Scotch Water and we were going to see it, um, somebody asked me like, oh, "Are you looking forward to it?" And I was like, "Put it this way, I hope to not sleep tonight. Like when I want to see a horror film, I want it to terrify me." There's something wrong with you. And uh, maybe. And it works. Like, I had really trouble sleeping the first night after I saw this film. Oh, you watched it again, right? When I was in London. When you were in London about six months ago? No, maybe eight months ago? Whatever. Yeah, I watched it during the day. I closed the curtains. I had it on Blu-ray. And I was like, I'm going to watch this to see if it has the same effect on me. And it didn't. I ended up watching Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me that day. And that scared me more. So I was like, maybe Hereditary's lost everything. So we wa- I watched it two nights ago. Again, back night time, you went to bed, so the house was all quiet, and I stuck it on, and I couldn't make it the full way through without turning the lights on. Oh, really? Yeah, I had to turn the lights on. It really creeped me out again. Like, so it's the light? I, I don't know if it's the light, because I think I could watch The Shining during the day and it would still terrify me. Maybe The Babadook? No, I do need the atmosphere. I think you do need the atmosphere. I think that does make it. But So Hereditary, two nights ago when I put it on, it really worked for me. Now, when I say it's bleak, I mean like it's just so... So, so soul-destroying. It, it, there is not a moment of lightness in this film. Mm. I think there's maybe one joke, and it's not even a joke. It's just a way a line is delivered that people kind of go, huh. but it's, it's such a distressing scene. We'll get to it. Like, this film, when we talk, we've talked, maybe not on this podcast, uh-huh. we've talked in person about how people, when they laugh at horror films, they're like, I laughed at that. That wasn't a horror film. Even if like something like Ma or whatever, you're like, that's a joke. You're supposed to laugh. Yeah. This film, you are not supposed to laugh at this film. It is not funny. I think that's the same feeling I get from The Witch. Hmm. I've seen The Witch do it in the day and it freaks me out. I've only seen The Witch once. That's the one that I've not seen again. Since I, watched last, I watched it you last, watched it I think, last year. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I came remember, home from work and you were You came home from work and mm-hmm. I was terrified. And I, the cur- the curtains were open. Yeah. And, oh my God, like, that terrified me. Because but that's a good... Uh, but it, 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 that's the kind of movies that they say, oh, they're slow. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It gets you, you know? like it's, If you allow yourself to open yes, to it. Yes. A lot of people go into horror films, I think, Again, like fighting it. Yeah. Like they don't want it. They want to beat it, and they come out and go, "Ah, it wasn't scary." Um, but a, but a lot of mainstream horror films, like like Get Out or Us or it, like all the Blumhouse stuff, like they've got Conjuring. like. But they've got like little moments of jokes or lightness a, mm. a couple of times. Yeah. The Babadook doesn't have any. No. The Witch doesn't have it. The Witch is not a funny film at nope. any point. And Hereditary, oh my god. It's a quite serious one. Oh, it's so serious. Also as well, uh, just to point out, if anyone's wondering, hey, you're doing two episodes in Ari Aster and you're never, me- you're not mentioning any of his short films, that's because Hizella hasn't seen The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. I have. And I don't want to see She doesn't it. want to. We talked about it uh, on Thursday. We went out for sushi. Yeah. And I said, well, let's just play a game then. Let's see if you can figure out what it's about. <laughs> and he's ever managed to figure out... So for anyone who doesn't know, the strange thing about the Johnsons is <laughs> a short film uh, about a son abusing his father sexually, which is That's very cool. taboo, right? And the whole idea is Ari Aster said he wanted to do the most taboo thing. He's ever managed to guess that way quicker than it should have been. Like, you've seen too many horror films when you go, a son is abusing his dad within less than, like, two minutes. <laughs> I know, I, I need help, man. <laughs> okay, so, let's talk about so, the movie. So, uh, yeah, um, Hereditary. So it starts with, uh, like, a newspaper obituary for the death of... The grandmother. The grandmother, we mm-hmm. find out is the grandmother. She is called Ellen. Uh, she's survived by her daughter, Annie, played by Tony Collette. Her son-in-law, Steve, that's Gabriel Byrne. Still, that bothers me that she wasn't nominated for something. 
Who, Toni Collette? Yeah. Oh, she's unbelievable. This is one of, like, probably the best acting... It's so good. It is so good. It's amazing. Um, Do you know who else I think is really good in this film? The boy? Yes. Yes. If people don't like his performance uh, at times, and we'll get to it. So, yeah, Peter is the grandson, played by Alec Wolfe, and Charlie is the granddaughter... Uh, Millie, Milo, Millie, Millie Shapiro, I believe her name is. I've not got it in front of me. So that's the family. And then we get a scene setter, which is the camera panning around this room. And you see all these sort of dollhouses yeah. and miniatures. Um, because Annie, Tony Collette, is an artist. She makes miniature like representations of life, but on a small scale. Mm-hmm. Camera pans around, zooms in, and the, doll, uh, the dollhouse zooms into the bedroom. And you see, like, a, a doll figure lying in bed. So basically, the Fills mom, the frame. The grandma. No, no, no. No, yeah. No, see if you don't remember this. Oh. The, the bedroom then, it zooms right in, so it fills the frame. And the door opens and the dad walks in. Like, immediately, it's, oh, it's the yeah, boy's yeah, yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you've gone from the toy version to his version. But at no the point is there version. a noticeable cut. So... Um, some people have been like, oh my god, is this, like, the lines between what's real and what's fake? Are they blurred? I don't think that's what he's going for. I believe he's going for the idea that someone is manipulating all of this. Just uh, for an amazing shot. It also is an amazing <laughs> shot. So they go to the funeral. That's what's happening is they're getting them out of bed, going to the funeral. Go to the funeral and Tony Collette is delivering her eulogy and she says her mother was a private and secretive person. She had her own private rituals. She says private rituals, private friends and private anxieties, I believe is what she says. Uh, and then she says, it feels like a betrayal even to be standing here. So we kind of get immediately... They so didn't basically really get she, didn't, on. she didn't know her own mother. She didn't know her own mother and they didn't get on. Yeah, so... And then we cut to a shot of the mother's body where you can sort of see the body for one last time. Do you do that in Mexico? I remember you saying you don't do that in Mexico. Or like, you do? Like having in your house? Well, well, we have it in our house. We sometimes. don't, that's right, weird. Okay. <laughs> but in this it's not, it's at the ceremony. It's at the church or wherever. Yeah, you, but you would you, you would see the body one yeah, last time. Yeah, we will see in the body, but there's places specific, like a funerary place. Well, to be fair, sometimes that's the same here, is you would go to a funeral home or wherever. Yes, and that's the body. Like, but and sometimes a, people and do it right, But But you take like three days, right? Or four days I with the body. Because I remember like, oh, a week with the body there. No, like for us, it's like, you die on a Monday, you get take, you they prepare your body. And then during Monday night, people go and see you the whole day. Next day on Tuesday, straight to the cemetery. That's you. <laughs> Get it done. Yes. Like, then you're going to start smelling. Well, well, the whole, they're embalmed and everything. Anyway, so they see the, the grandmother one last time and they notice a strange things going on. So one of the members of the, that's at the funeral rubs oil on her lips. That's not explained, but you're just like, what the hell's going on? And when... Uh, Charlie, the granddaughter, is just looking at the body. She turns round and sees a blonde-haired man staring at her, at mm-hmm. Charlie, and he smiles. Yeah. Really weird. And But she doesn't know who he is. She turns away and she opens a bar of chocolate. Oh, yeah. So you're remembering now. And she eats the chocolate and both Steve, the dad, and Annie, the mother, at two separate times, ask her, is there nuts in that? And then we don't have the EpiPen, so we get... Charlie is allergic to nuts. Mm-hmm. Then we get just shots of the family in their house. Annie goes to a grief like counselling group. Mm-hmm. And she uh, reveals you know, more about her relationship with her mother, how fractured it was. They were on, they were off, they were on, they were off. And then... She... And I think that's where she says that the mother used to breastfeed Charlie. She mentions, well, yes, yeah, she That's hints, so, hints, so disturbing. No, she doesn't say it there, actually. But she mentions something. She point. does mention that. She mentions that to Charlie herself. Oh, yeah, She's that, putting the, the Charlie grandma to bed, loves you so much. And she something. says, like, what's going to happen when you die, whatever. And then she's like, you know, your grandmother loved you. She wouldn't even let me feed you. Um, but at this grief counseling group, she reveals that her dad starved himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother suffered with DID, dissociative identity disorder what's that kind of like it, it, the realistic version of what James McAvoy has in Split that's like an unworldly version of it okay 
Like what you don't associate with yourself. Like bipolar? No, no, no. Different personalities. Bipolar oh. is like peaks, troughs, peaks, troughs in okay. your mood. Dissociative identity disorder is maybe like different identities. Okay. So her mother, she believes her mother had that or was diagnosed with that. And her, her brother died. He killed himself. And oh before he killed himself, he claimed that their mother was trying to put people in him. That's what that's what she says. <laughs> oh my god. Now this comes into play later on. Um But yeah, so as Isa says, we learn that the grandmother really, really liked Charlie, and Annie says this at the grief counselling group. I didn't let her anywhere near my firstborn, Alex. So when I had my second born, I let her back into my life and she immediately got her grips her claws into her. Yeah. And she, you know, like she became her favourite and and she breaks down and whatever. And then we get the first hint that this is a horror movie. She goes into her study where she makes all the dolls or whatever. Mm-hmm. She looks through a box of mum's things and she finds a note. And it's a, 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 it says, like, my dearest darling Annie. Uh, and it apologises for something. But it says that uh, our sacrifice will pale next to the rewards. So it's like, I'm sorry you're going to go through all this, whatever, we don't know, mm-hmm. but it'll be worth it in the end. And she's like, my mum was crazy. Like, puts the note away. She walks out and flicks the light off. And she looks, do you remember what she sees in the corner yeah. of the room? What does she see? The mum. She sees her mother in the corner of the room. Flicks the light back on and there's nothing there. And you get, like, it's such a creepy shot. Yeah, she's just standing is. in the corner smiling. I know. It's giving me goosebumps. It's, and that's the first hint that this is a horror movie. So then we get Charlie and Peter both at school. Oh my god, yeah. And they are two important scenes here. Charlie uh, finds a dead bird. Yes. What does she do to the dead bird? She uh, cuts the hair. She they, cuts they the head off with scissors, head, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that's decapitation. It's going to See, come up again. I remember. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you remember. <laughs> but decapitation is going to come up again, trust me. <laughs> And Peter's is quite an important scene as well. He is in school and he's not paying attention. He's looking through the window. Like, on the he's window looking at the ass of a girl in front of him. Oh, yeah. He's not paying attention, but he should be because the teacher is talking about a very important topic. Okay. He's talking about a play in which the characters have, or it's, it's up for interpretation as to whether or not the characters have free will. And he asks them, is it more tragic if the characters were in control or weren't in control? What do you think? Is it more tragic if something goes badly because the if character made they made that choice? Yeah. Or is it more tragic that somebody else did it for somebody them is, and they somebody, just didn't know? Yeah, somebody else did it for them. So you don't like the idea of not being in control of your life? Obviously. Who does? Do you? No. Exactly. It's like at least if something happened to me. You know it was I you. know it was my fault and I took the wrong choice. Yeah. But then, oh, you are sick because someone else Made put a virus sick. in your water. I'm like, fuck that. I was sick because maybe I was standing on the rain and then I <laughs> drank too much. And it's always cold in Scotland. So, yeah, it is my fault. So, <laughs> Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's going to come up again. The decapitation and free will. These things come up. Then Peter gets a text. And it's a text inviting him to a party. Oh, yeah. And he lies to his mother. Saying that they're going to watch movies or something? No, he says it's like a school thing. It's an after-school barbecue thing. And there's a little bit of tension between them because she says, like, oh, so you're not going to eat with us? And he's like, no, I'm going to eat with us. And then she's like, well, you don't have to. And he's like, I just said I'm going to. And then she says, is there going to be drinking at this? He says, "Uh, we're not even old to buy drink. And she goes, well, that's not... I was just asking you, and he's like, "Well, I just answered." It's all this all is so passive aggressive. It's so yeah. passive aggressive. Oh my god! Um, but then she says, "Like, well, is Charlie going with you? Are you taking Charlie? If it's an after-school thing, you know, you need to get on with your lives. Take Charlie." And he's like, "Would well, she even want to go?" She finds Charlie outside. as a creepy moment with a woman sitting around like a burning ring of fire. It's not really explained, but it's maybe witchy or whatever. Yeah. Um, but she finds Charlie and she, and she says, you're going to this thing with Peter. 
um, and she forces her to go because Charlie says, I don't want to go. Yeah. And Peter doesn't want her to go because oh. it's a party for is him. Is the mom creating problems? It's a party for him to smoke weed, drink, and try and hit on this girl. Yeah. But he's lying and said it's an after-school barbecue, so the mum's like, well, she should go, and she forces her to go. So they go to the party, and the first thing he does is he ditches Charlie. Obviously. Because he doesn't want her to be there. And he tells I, her... I mean, Charlie and oh, Peter are the same age. No, Charlie's 13, Peter is 16, 17. Okay, fair enough. It's just... But they go to the same school. Yeah, yeah. So if he says it's like an after-school event... Yes, she looks really, really drunk. If you tell me she's eight... I won't believe you. She's supposed to be 13, apparently. Oh. Anyway, she's, she's the younger sister. And um, he ditches her. And he tells her to have some chocolate cake. They're giving out chocolate cake. Yeah. But we have seen... That she's allergic to nuts. And... And chocolate? <laughs> she's not allergic to chocolate. She has chocolate earlier on. We have seen that the person cutting the chocolate cake used the same knife to chop nuts. Oh, as really? soon as they arrive at the party, the first thing you see is them walk in and then the camera pulls back and you see chug, 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 they're cutting up like hazelnuts or something. Oh, okay. And then when he says, go get a slice of chocolate cake, you see it's the same knife. Oh, I thought And they, then maybe are the nuts I in the cake? the cake. Yeah, I thought the cake had the nuts. Maybe, was, but at like, least th- there is contact of nuts. Yeah. So Charlie gets the cake and Peter goes off uh, to be with this girl. He's in the room smoking weed. And then we get a couple of shots of Charlie like... Breathing heavily as she eats the cake. Like, yeah, she, she's she goes realizing and gets, She goes and like... gets a glass of water. She's trying to deal with it. Um, and then she goes into the room and he's like, she, she says, Peter, and he says, what's up? Are you all right? And she says, I find it hard to breathe. I think my throat's getting bigger. And then, boom, outside, he's carrying Charlie. He's realized what's happened. Yeah. And he's like, we're going we're gonna to get you to a hospital. Puts her in the back of this car gets in the front and speeds off down this like empty we have seen earlier on that this road is wherever this house is in the middle of nowhere I know where did this leave like in Montana or something yeah well it's unexplained I don't know America too well so he's speeding off down this road this is the scene I believe you remember obviously so or everybody that's seen this movie everyone that's seen this movie will remember remember this scene because the, the advertising Everything is sort of painted Charlie as the main character. Yeah, and also we are just like 20 minutes into the movie. 30, 30 minutes into yeah. a two-hour movie when this happens. So this is like Janet Lee in Psycho. The main yeah. character of the film being killed off in the shower scene. Drew Barrymore in Scream. I always wanted a film like that where if something so unexpected happens and well, you're like, this, spoiler alert. this could go anywhere. And <laughs> 30 minutes in, you think it's going to be out of the creep. Oh, I know what we missed. Charlie does this weird noise oh anyway that that i missed out that because that comes up a couple of times anyway so 30 minutes in the creepy kid who's going to deal with the maybe the death weird and she's going to be a pain in the family and oh my god that's not what happens she leans out of the window as he's speeding down the road to breathe to try and get the air there is a dead dog in the middle of the road peter swerves out of the way oh my god and Charlie's head smashes into a telephone pole. Yeah. Peter slams on the brakes because he's going at like 80, 90 miles an hour. And he's scared to He look is scared. Again. He doesn't yeah. look back. This oh, scene I is so good. This is like in the mirror. He looks briefly up at the mirror and we get a we get it like from his point of view. The camera moves up to the mirror. And as soon as it sees the corner of the mirror, it flicks back down to like as if he like no, no, he looks away. He can't look in the back. Because Charlie's gone deathly silent. A minute ago, she was going, <gasps> and now it's just no silent. So he knows she's dead. He yeah. doesn't know. He doesn't know one thing about her that we also don't know. But uh, she is dead. Charlie is dead. Thirty minutes into this movie. Oh my god! It gets worse. <laughs> so he drives home. He just he he's he, crying. He, yeah. he cries like a single tear. His performance here is so good. It is so good. I, it is terrifying. It is, like, it is, but he does this weird, like, like it, it, it sounds like he's like swallowing and breathing. It's, it's so good. It sounds like he's about to be sick. Like he's yeah. going to be physically sick. Um, so he doesn't know what to do. So he does what any like confused, excuse me, confused boy will do. He just lets the brakes off and he drives slowly home. And we see him drive really slowly from here uh-huh. on. Drives home, goes into the house. And we actually hear Tony Collette saying to Steve, eh, her husband, she says, oh, good, they're home. Like when he the, the doors close. Yeah. But we know they're not home. He is home. 
And this is like uh, they go to sleep and then he wake goes up, to sleep. right? He goes to sleep and then it cu- it's, it's on his face when they wake up in the daytime. And you can hear off camera downstairs, Tony Collette says to Steve, I'm going to the shops, I'm going to get something. Do you want anything? No, it's alright. Okay, I'll be back in a little bit. Door opens, door closes, footsteps outside, car door opens, pause, and then I'm going to cut in, I'm, I'm going to cut this into the episode. The most horrific scream. Tony Collette's scream is disgustingly terrifying because she has found Charlie's body in the back of the car and then we cut to, do you remember? No. Charlie's head oh, in the, the middle of the road. road. Yeah. Charlie has life. not just died. Oh. She has been decapitated. So you don't, so when the, in the car scene, you, you see her head briefly fly, but it's really quick. You don't, you wouldn't pick up on it until yeah. you know now. But I told you decapitation would come in. 30 minutes into this movie, the main character who you believe is, or the main kid who's going to be the, you've seen a movie about creepy kids before, it's about the Babadook, it's the Omen, it's the Exorcist. Hereditary, 30 minutes in, they decapitate her. (laughs) It's unbelievable. And then you just get a couple of minutes of like, uh, Tony Collette crying on the floor. She's like writhing on the floor. She says, I want to die, I want to die. Yeah, and from now on, it's, about the relationship between the son and Tony Collette, basically she blames him for what happened, like for not taking care of her. Yep. For no, well, for all that. I mean, it's like a mother losing, obviously, one of the children. So the fact the the film is essentially about grief. Yeah. But it's about how grief would manifest in people who are suffering with mental illness, because the film also has got mental illness painted all over it. And if they are unwilling to communicate with each other. Yeah. So there's a huge bust up scene later on we'll get to. And she busts up and says it's because he didn't apologize for it. Like if you just said sorry. Yeah, but uh, it, there's a thing like. But how is he 17? Exactly. How is he going to say that? Like He's, he's, he's not, not even mature enough to understand what happened. Correct. That's like, what I mean. We, we see that when he's driving the car to like to the house. Yeah. Like no able. Imagine that to you obviously that's horrible but he also reveals later on that uh, Tony Collette had done something to them when they were younger oh no so oh, she reveals yeah. it she says it and she says ever since then he's never spoken to me the same way he's always looked at me the same way but you're like of course he would but she tries to pass it off as like oh it's just a mistake I was sleepwalking like if there's just a whole weird thing of people not wanting so to talk to each thing, other. So what's that thing? Like she tries to suffocate, suffocate him with a pillow. Uh, no, she reveals that she was. That? She used to sleepwalk, and one day she woke up and found her and Charlie and Peter both covered in paint thinner, and she was holding a lit match. Oh. And she's like, and then I immediately blew the match out. Like I immediately, but I was sleepwalking. But she, so she doesn't want to take like she doesn't want to associate the idea that maybe. She might subconsciously want to kill her kids. But again, she reveals this in a dream sequence as well. I, I love this part because that gives me the vibes of we need to talk about Kevin, right. where the mom yeah doesn't she actually doesn't love the baby like, the baby no like but it, yeah, like, like she stands next to like a pneumatic drill that's and. Uh, at one pet. Like a real thing. Like, you yeah, know, postpartum syndrome and all those things. Postnatal depression. Yes, yeah, like yeah. Th- that's, that happens. You have that in the animal kingdom when the moms eat their own babies. <laughs> I mean, it's no, it's, it's no funny. It's like a real thing. And at the end of the day, we're animals. And I think this movie was trying to take a little bit of that. Like, we're humans. And oh, it's it, animalistic. It, 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 unconscious, yeah, yeah. Really, you might have those reactions. Yeah, maybe. And sometimes it's difficult to admit that you don't love something that much that you should, or yep. like the society imposed to you yep. that you should do it. So I, that's what I really, really like about this movie. It's because def- it's trying to open more about it. Like, it's true. Like, obviously there was a favorite kid and not a favorite kid. Then a kid doesn't like you that much. Okay, if you don't like me, even not only because I'm the mom, I too love you. 
no, I don't. <laughs> you know? It's definitely animalistic. Like, uh, Ari Aster described, I think, the film as it's about the sacrifice. The, the sacrificial lamb from the point of view of the sacrificial lamb. So it's a, basically a family that are being sacrificed for something bigger than them, but they are completely unaware of it. So anyway, Charlie dies. Charlie dies. And then we were talking about the scene the, that is really like, a, I think here in this scene is when I, I said she's going to get a nomination for an Oscar or something. Uh, yeah, like, this is when they're at dinner, you're talking yes. about. Yes. They are at dinner. This is the one line I said that might elicit a joke, but it's performed in a way where you're just like, it's not funny, but it's it's a, it's a good line. Um, they are at dinner. Uh, Dad has cooked dinner. And the three of them are sitting around and nobody is speaking. So tense. And then Peter says, he says, uh, it's really nice, Dad. Like, he thanks for dinner or something. Uh-huh. And Tony Collette sniggers. <sighs> I know. And then Peter says, something you want to say, mum? And she says, what? No. no." And he's like, oh, it just oh. seems like, it just seems like there's something you want to say. She's like, no. And, it, and it, there is something she wants to say. Obviously. So it, it would be better if she just said it, but then it, it makes it worse because Peter keeps poking her. He says like, it, it really seems like, just say it or whatever. And um, I can't exactly remember how exactly it blows up. But it blows up into a full-scale argument. Oh, he swears. That's what it is. Yeah. He, 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 he like laughs at her or something. And he says uh, the F word. He says fuck in some... I can't remember the sentence. And she blows up. She stands up and she says, Don't you ever swear to me. I am your mother. Release yourself. Oh, release you, you mean? Yeah, fine. Release me. Just say it. Just fucking say it. Don't you swear at me, you little shit. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. Do you understand? All I do is worry and slave and defend you. And all I get back is that fucking face on your face. So full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. And this scene is, this is the, like, the acting performance scene that would have been played if she was nominated for the Oscar, which she wasn't. But this would have been it. And the line is, she says, it doesn't matter whatever I do. Uh, I, I'm never good enough for you and all you do is just look at me with that fucking face on your face and it's just a it's a laugh because you assume she means that look on your face uh-huh. but she says that face on your face but you can kind of pass it away as she's so angry she can't even get her words out properly yeah um, and yeah they just blow up amazing scene and she leaves Steve like he's like we're ending this right now he's like the one that's sort of trying to play the middleman. yeah we're ending this right now. Sit down, whatever, and she leaves the dinner table. She also considers going back to the support group, mm-hmm. and she can't quite make it in this time. And as she drives away, a woman pulls her over, and she's like, "I recognise you from a couple of months ago. Um, you stopped coming. Like, are you coming back? It helps or whatever." And she's like, "Actually, my daughter just died. It's no longer about my mother." Um, and they have a bit of a chat. It's really friendly. And she says, "Look, you don't have to come in, but if you ever need someone." My son and grandson have drowned and this has helped. Here's my number. Uh, my name's Joan. Gives her a number. She drives off. Mm. Now, you don't see Joan again until Annie is at an art supply store and she finds she meets Joan in the car park and Joan is ecstatic. She is so happy. She's like, you won't believe what just happened. I went to this seance um, mm. and there was a performance and, and Annie's sort of like laughing or whatever and she's like no trust me I was the same as you I was sceptical whatever afterwards I asked the um, the medium to come back to my house or whatever and and I spoke to my grandson it, it, this this is real this mm-hmm. is stuff we don't understand just come to my house and you'll see and but actually she's been to Annie's flat before um, and they've mentioned that like she has a little doormat and she's like, oh, my mum used to make them. And Annie's like, oh, well, whatever. No, sorry, Joan is like, okay. I guess that's weird. But anyway, she goes to uh, Joan's flat and they do the seance. Uh-huh. Uh, and this scene is, it's pretty creepy, but it's it's kind of like a nice seance. Okay, because I don't Because Joan is so happy because it's her grandson. He writes, I love you, grandma, oh, on the chalkboard okay. yeah, 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 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Annie's freaked out because she can't believe what is happening. Like, ghosts are real. Their spirits are real. Yeah. 
But uh, so she, Joan flicks the light on and she's like, it's okay, it's okay. I understand it. This is new. This is big. This yeah. is massive. But it is possible. She's not gone. You can speak to your daughter again. This is what you got to do. She yeah, gives her instructions. I that, yeah. She says, hey, you need a possession of hers and everyone in your family must be in the house. So. So she does it. She does it. She I wakes remember, them yeah. up in the middle of the night. Yeah, she does it on the, on the dining She brings room. them downstairs and she does it in the, where they had dinner. Yeah. Um, and things are a little bit creepy, like the glass moves on its own. And they hear the sound. That's when they hear the sound of... I think they do hear her. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, Tony Collette, I don't know if you remember, she just goes dead silent and she starts going... And then um, this is when Steve, the dad, is checking under the table. To, like, how did the glass move? What's under there? Nothing. And as he comes back up, she's making this... And he just looks at his wife. He's like, what the hell? And she stops. And then she goes, Mom? And it's Charlie's voice. Yeah. And then they're like, what's going on? And Peter starts freaking out. He's like, Dad, what is going on? Yeah. Mom, what's going on? And then Charlie starts saying, like, Mom, what's going on? But it's Tony Collette. Like, and stop they're, it. They're like, yeah. But then it starts to, like, mix between Tony Collette's voice and Charlie's voice. Like, it's not fully that one person. Uh-huh. Throws a glass of, uh, Steve throws a glass of water on Tony Collette. And she's like, what happened? Like, I have no memory of this. And Alex Wolf, Peter, is crying. But... I think it's not movie crying. This is why I think some people don't like his performance. Because they're like, his crying's really weird. But I believe it. it's like, it's super distressed crying. Like, he yeah. doesn't know what's going on. It's like, <laughs> it, it, I don't know how to do it. You need to watch it. But I could see people go, that's weird. Because when you people cry in movies, they cry like they don't... <laughs> yeah. They don't cry realistically. Like, yeah, when you yeah. cry realistically, you're trying to contain yourself. I know, I know what you mean. Like... <gasps> Like yeah. read, yeah. Um, so his crying is amazing. Like I love his performance in this. So she's trying to reassure them: this is real. This is this is that was our daughter. But then, over the course of several incidents, maybe what they let into the house wasn't Charlie, or maybe it wasn't as friendly as it initially seemed, or she was told. Um, Basically, they opened the doors of hell. Essentially, and she has a nightmare. This is where she has a nightmare where she goes into Peter's bedroom, finds him on the bed covered in ants. And then he says, Mum? And she wakes up and she's standing in the doorframe. And he's like, what are you doing in my room? You were sleepwalking. And she says, I can't remember exactly. But then he says, why are you afraid of me? And she says, I never wanted to be your mother. And she covers her mouth. Oh my God. And he says, what? And she goes, I was scared. Uh, and she reveals to him that she tried to have a miscarriage. And she's like, it didn't work. I love you. It didn't work. But I tried every way you could possibly think. I drank too much. I did this or whatever. <laughs> and then it, and then it, when it cuts back to him, he is covered in what looks like paint thinner or oil. And so is she. And then they burst into flames. And then boom, it's a double dream. <laughs> but it's like all of her guilt has just got... She's, she's dreaming about her son dying, similar to how her daughter died. Yeah. And then she's dreaming about like all her repressed feelings about how she tried to kill her son. Yeah. Um. This this stuff is so good. I know, and that's what I was telling you about the the animal ways. Well, like I, I didn't want you. I just don't want the baby. And yeah, like it's there. People feel feels like that sometimes, but it's kind of like a taboo to talk about it. Oh, it's so, definitely the film deals with taboos. So. To- totally make a make make a point there. Yeah, we find a, or sorry, Annie sees a sketchbook with Peter being drawn in it. Uh-huh. Like something is drawing Peter. She can see that there's nothing there, but his face is appearing on the pages, and his eyes are all crossed out. So she's like, something, whatever I've let in is after Peter. She burns the book, but her arm goes on fire. So she pulls the book out, steps on it. She's like, I can't destroy this book. Um, she goes to speak to Joan. Joan is nowhere to be seen, but we see inside of Joan's apartment. Yeah. And there's all these candles everywhere. There's a triangle carved into the table. And in the middle of the triangle is a photo of Peter with his eyes crossed out. Oh my God. It's so creepy. 
And then she tries to... Is, 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 is in this part where Chief um, Tony Collette figured out that John, John... Knows her mother. Yeah. Yes, kind of. She goes back into the same room that where all her stuff is kept. Um, and she finds more books. Uh, this is where people kind of lose it a bit because they say it gets so expositionary because like all the passages that are necessary to understand what's going on are mm-hmm. highlighted mm-hmm. or underlined as if like, I don't know, like it's like the audience needs to know this. Yeah. So it's not like we'll just show them the page of the book, but we'll also highlight the correct sentence <laughs> and people are like, that's eh, a little bit on the nose. But anyway, um, yeah, she finds books where it explains more about this King Payman, who is one of the eight demons of hell. And then she finds a book of photographs that show that Joan knew her mother. Mm -hmm. And her mother seemed to be this leader of this weird cult thing. There's photos of them showering her with gold. She's wearing like a bride's outfit. It's super weird. Yeah. She um, wants to tell Steve about this. Meanwhile, Alex is at school. And his face gets smashed into his desk by something unseen. Um, He's not entirely sure what's going on. And then that's why he ends up with a big plaster on his nose. Again, that scene is so scary. Like, because you just feel like he doesn't know what's going on. Something is smashing his face. But everyone else thinks he's just weird. Crazy, yeah. So she reveals to Steve, something is after our son. I've let something in. I was wrong. I've done something. My mother, she knew this person. And he's just like, you are going crazy. I need to protect my son. We've already lost your mother. We've already lost our daughter. I can't lose my son. We, it seems like we're losing you. Yeah. This has to stop. And she says, just burn the book. You have to burn the book. It's going to set me on fire, but you have to burn the book. I need this. This is going to protect our family. She douses it in oil. And she's like, throw it into the fire. It's going to set me on fire, because my arm went on fire last time. I'm connected to it somehow, but it's going to happen. And then he says, enough is enough. I'm calling the police or whatever. Like, I can't do this. You need to see someone. Uh She grabs the book off him, throws it in the fire. And he goes on fire. Steve bursts into flames. Yeah. But why do you think it's Steve and not her? I don't know. I think it's because... Now she knows. No, I think it's to because do... the one that is trying to prevent. It's the one that's trying to prevent. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the first instance, she's trying to burn the book, so her arm goes on fire, so that she doesn't burn the book. Second instance, he's the one that's about to call the authorities to get her away, but they need her there, mm-hmm. so it's they kill Steve off, and then nighttime. This is when shit hits the fan. <laughs> You're using that because of the Love Island expression. That's not a Love Island expression. Well, because they say you never use that expression before. Yeah, but it it accurately describes what happens. Because now you say that. Oh, then you say I will use it. (laughs) So, we see an outside shot of the house. This happens a couple of times in the movies. And then you hear a clicking sound. And it cuts to darkness immediately. And the first time you see this, I didn't notice it. There was a bunch of people now standing around the house in the night time. Oh, really? I I did not notice that the first time. I just thought it goes naked. From, yeah. Yes, I noticed it. It goes from daytime to nighttime. Yep. And I was just like, okay, cool. But then you watch it again. You're like, oh my god, there's a bunch of people standing around there. Yep. Anyway, bedroom. Alex wakes up because he hears a. He wakes up. What the hell's going on? Camera is on his face. He is facing. We're basically away from what happens. We see something happen. That he's facing the opposite direction. He sits up in bed. And behind him, hmm, this is giving me chills just talking about it. Are we, we talking about who? The boy. Cole? Peter. You say Alex. That's the actor's name. Oh, Sorry, okay. Alex Wills. Okay. Sorry. Peter sits up in bed and we see him from like a wide shot of his bedroom so we can see the whole room. He sits up in bed. Now, I believe our DVD TV screens are too bright because in the cinema it took me a while to notice and it took you a while to notice. And I think you could hear the audience notice in bits. Because uh-huh. there was like a like a wave of like knowledge. So you want to tell them what we see? We saw the mom looking, well, acting like a Spider-Man in a corner. She's in the top corner of his bedroom. Kind of like... Uh, kind of like Spider-Man. Um, Emily Rose. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you've seen the DVD cover of a film called The Last Exorcism, imagine that DVD cover. 
and it's Tony Collette yeah, in the top corner of his room. Spider Man in a corner, like holding. But it's if if I remember if if because I need to change the TV settings. But I remember in the cinema it was a lot darker and it was a lot more difficult to see. Like it took your eyes a couple of seconds to adjust. Yeah. Before you went like. Holy shit! Yeah, there's his mum. There's something in the corner of the room. It's his mum. How did she get up there? What's wrong with her? Because <laughs> um, we've seen she's been possessed. Yeah. As soon as the dad bursts into fire flames, this light goes inside her, mm-hmm. and her expression changes. He turns around very slowly because he's like, I don't know. Maybe he thinks there's something behind him. We don't know. But he starts to turn around really slowly, and you're like, he's going to see her. He's going to see her. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then the camera cuts, so we get a different angle. And we see, do you remember what happens there? No. She crawls out of the room. So he turns to his uh, right, uh-huh. where she's in the top right corner. Okay. And he's uh, just as he's about to see her, we see she crawls along the wall. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like floaty crawl. So she doesn't make any noise. You don't. It's not like she's tapping on the wall. Uh-huh. And so when he turns around, she's crawled out the door and he hasn't seen her. Because she's crawled behind him. And it's so creepy. It is terrifying. I just remember, like, from now on, everything is like, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. So then he gets up. He feels that there's something wrong. He calls out for his dad. No response. Goes downstairs. All the lights are off. As he goes downstairs, he walks into the front room and he sees... The ashes. the, The dead body of his dad lying on the floor. And again, as he walks forward, we see a wider shot of the room... And up above him in the ceiling, boom, it's Annie, Tony Collette. She's now Spider-Man up there. <laughs> it's so creepy. And she's just staring at him. You're like, what is she about to do? And he turns around again. Oh my God, you're telling me that I'm freaking out right But when he turns around this time, he doesn't look up to the ceiling. He looks in an open doorway. Do you remember what's in the open doorway? No. It's the blonde man from earlier on that smiled at oh, Charlie. Oh, smiles at Charlie, yeah. He's just standing there naked. Oh my god. <laughs> and he's in the sh- he's in the darkness because all the lights are out and he's just smiling at him. Oh, fuck's sake. And then you hear... That's, that, that situation is one of my nightmares. Yeah, uh, people being in your house and not explaining why they're there. And they're, just smiling at yeah, you. Yeah, they're not oh like god. trying to attack you or anything. They're just there. Or you know what? Like, for example, coming into this room... I'm getting, I'm getting chills the, just thinking about it. The curtains it are open and then you're sitting here doing the podcast and then if you look there and there's a person just staring, staring at, at you. us, smiling. Yeah. Oh my God, like, Why? stop it. What, what are they <laughs> what wanting? What do you want? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, it's the Leave unknown. Yeah. Oh. Why are they staring at me? And, and why, why do they find why it so... Why are they happy? What, what's funny? Yeah, what are they getting for? Yeah, exactly. Like, alone. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> and then he hears a doom. And then the camera swings up to the roof and Tony Collette isn't there. Cut to uh, him again and she's standing in the corner. She's now standing on the floor in the corner. Uh-huh. And then jump scare, she bursts out of the corner and runs after her son. Oh my God. And so he runs away like he's like like screaming and he's shouting like mom stop or whatever. Climbs up into the attic. By the way, we've noticed earlier on in the film that the grandmother has been dug up from her grave and her body's been placed in the attic. But that's not that's not coming to play right now. He climbs up into the attic. We're like, the body's up there. Clamp, slams the attic door shut. She's like chasing after him. Yeah. And then you hear like, dun, 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 oh on the attic. And he's like, mum, stop. What is it? What is it? And then we see how she's slamming on the attic door because she's not tall enough to bang it that hard from the floor. Yeah. So you remember how she's banging on the attic door? She is literally on the ceiling, like her, and she's upside oh, down, the head. and she's yeah, smashing yeah. her head into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, the head, yeah. Oh, it's cr- so creepy. And then it stops. Uh-huh. Peter takes a little bit of stock. He thinks he's got a bit of time. He stands up, walks around the attic, and as he walks around, he finds... He, yeah, he starts realising that something weird is going on there. Because he finds the outline of a body... Because the dust has fallen, but the, it has not covered where the grandmother's body was for the whole uh-huh. film. And inside the outline of this body is a photograph of him with his eyes cut out. And we can see, he doesn't yet see, but we can see there are three people also in the attic, oh naked, standing, staring at him. We see this, he doesn't see it yet. And then as he turns around and you're like, he's about to see them, he's about to see This film, you're like, he's about to see, he's about to see, and then something d- distracts him. And what distracts him is this noise that goes... Oh 
So he looks up, and his mum is just floating in midair, slitting into her neck with this like piano wire or yeah. something. She's just slicing through her neck. She starts going really, really fast. She's just staring at him, yeah. cutting off her own head. And then just as she's about to cut off her own head, we hear like a bling in the corner. And he's distracted by that and he turns around and it's the three people. They've made this noise. One of them waves at him and he just goes, <laughs> he just goes, ah, and jumps out the window. <laughs> Maybe that's a, another jokey bit, but he just, it's, I got to get out of here. Jumps out the window, falls however many stories, slam into the ground. Yeah, I think I probably will be more scared of the naked people. <laughs> like, they're naked, what the fuck? Yeah, but at the same time, if your mum's floating in midair and cutting her head off... But probably you're thinking, okay, that's maybe it's my head messing up, or it's a dream, but the naked people, I'm out of here, jump. Yeah. So anyway, the so... blue light then falls out after him and falls into his body. And then he looks up and we see... His mother's headless body, because we've heard the head fall off, yeah. floating into the treehouse. I don't think we mentioned that they've got an amazing treehouse. <laughs> a couple of things happen there throughout the film, but nothing too important. But she floats up into this treehouse, and then he follows her, because he's now been possessed by this light. And as he follows her, we see people standing in the garden, just smiling at him. Naked people, just standing there. And in the original script, can I just point out, I read this the other day, it... In the original script, they were all standing in red cloaks. They weren't naked. No, I think the naked I think it's part a way, way great decision. It's yeah. such a good decision to go, yeah. nah, go, screw the cloaks. Go naked. Naked. I mean, I, I I, don't want to see more naked people, but it, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. So he, craw- he climbs up into the treehouse and there's a bunch of naked people all kneeling down like in this sort of weird, kind of like a, as if they're praying. Yeah. They're like kneeling and like they've got their hands on the ground and their heads down. And what they are praying towards is this figure that has been built with Charlie's decapitated head on top of it and a crown. My God. Annie's body is there, kneeling, praying, decapitated. And the grandmother's body is there, kneeling, praying, decapitated. And also, this is another thing from my third watch that I didn't notice in the cinema or in the second time. Okay. This is so creepy. So they are praying towards this statue thing. Uh-huh. And Peter just goes in and he's just staring at it. He just he doesn't seem phased because he's been possessed by whatever now. Yeah. He doesn't seem to be bothered by what's going on. Somebody in the back gets up. They go over. They get the crown off of Charlie's decapitated head and, and they put it on him. Yeah. And then we get a shot of the decapitated grandmother and mother. Uh-huh. And they are no longer praying to... The statue. Uh-huh. They are praying to him. They have turned round. Okay. It's so creepy. So they're facing this way, and then as soon as the crown goes on him, it cuts back to them, and they're now facing him. Yeah. His two decapitated bodies. Okay. I didn't get that the first time. Because Actually, on IMDb, it's listed as a goof. It's listed as a mistake, because it's like, she's on the right, and then the grandma's on the left. But then in the next shot, they've switched places. How's that? And it's like, no, they haven't switched places. They've just turned round. Actually, now, I don't know, that you're seeing, in my head, that scene, they are, like, in my this is a room, mm-hmm. and Peter is there. Yeah, yeah, I just, in my head, I don't know, I remember the movie, instead of being there, yeah, yeah. they're like this, like, giving the back to whatever's in the middle. And then once they put the crown, everybody's just like that. Including the decapitated bodies. Yes. I didn't know that they turned around. But am I, am I right? I don't know. Like, no, I no, think no. all the bodies no, no, no. Are, are the opposite way. No, they're they're real people. They're alive. No, yeah, that's I know. But the bodies are the opposite way. And then when they put the crown, everybody turns. No, no. because no, It's just the, the, the body. The because decapitated they are body. all facing the same direction anyway. He's standing in front of them and so is the statue. But the it's 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 hard to explain, kind of. It's like a bunch of people, Peter, the two decapitated bodies, statue. Yeah. So the only ones that need to turn around to face him are the two decapitated bodies, because everyone else is already behind him anyway. Mm-hmm. And then they put the crown on him and they refer to him as Charlie now. Mm-hmm. They call him Charlie. And they say that you've, You were born in the wrong body. You were born in the wrong body. Yeah. Um because Payman wants a male host. So they had to. So the idea is that Charlie was always payment, mm-hmm. always possessed, which is why she's such a weird girl. Yeah. And doing this, she was always possessed. But they needed to weaken somebody 
in order to get repossessed. Yeah. This is all explained in the book that's highlighted passages. So that's why they have these huge traumatic experiences go through is to weaken uh, Peter enough so that they can repossess him payment. Yeah, they need enough firstborn male. Yeah, but, but once, they've, once they've put it in to Charlie, yeah. they need the, the next host needs to be weakened before it can go into them, which is why Peter goes through yeah, such... Yeah, yeah. And the family, so it's like the, the everything has been preordained, preorchestrated. Yeah, but that's why the brother uh, Tony Collette's brother commits suicide. Yeah, you're trying to put it in him because he was the firstborn. No, it doesn't matter about firstborn. No, I think it does. No? I don't think it does. No, it just his male host because they put it into Charlie anyway, and she's not the firstborn. No, that no, that's the thing. She was the oh no, that's true. Uh, anyway. <laughs> It, it, the assumption is that they assumed Charlie was going to be a boy. Yeah. And so they possessed him, befo- possessed her before birth somehow. She got birth girl and then we're like, ah, well, we need to transfer it into a boy. But we can't do that because Peter, we need to weaken his soul somehow. So yeah. the family goes through this hugely traumatic experience. Um, all because they're to be sacrificed for something greater. And then you get the, we've called upon you, we devote ourselves to you, we reject the Holy Trinity, uh, hail payment, hail payment, hail, cut to black. Hail payment! Hail payment! Hail payment! Hail! And that's hereditary. That's hereditary. It is... It is mental illness as witchcraft. That was my first thought to you and I, I, after I said, I, I like how it deals with mental illness through a sort of genre uh, way. Yeah. Uh, favourite death? Oh, come on. See, I know, I know what you're going to say. There's only two deaths really Charlie. in this film. Right. But I feel bad because favourite suggests that there is pleasure in it. It is so upsetting. Okay, you're going to say the dad. No, none of them. I mean, Charlie's is the best death. Because it's, yeah. as I said, I always wanted a scene like that where you're like, I know where this movie's going. Yeah, it's going to scare me, but I kind of am on the same way. Oh my God, where do we go from here? Yeah. And, but the film is so ingenious that it doesn't go higher than that. Like you expect it to, once you get a horror film and it scares you, then the scares usually go up and up and up yeah. until you get the, this one doesn't. You get the big shock and then it goes back down again and it just exists as a drama. And then it builds all the way up to the third act madness. But I think it's no fair to no call it the favorite death because, come on, is the it's main character? It is iconic. Decapitated. Yeah. Come on, a little I, girl, little I, girl. I, it's a little girl. I think that death will be remembered in horror cinema. Yeah, totally. So that's hereditary. What was that pose? Like, I'm dead. Like, finish this. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, next week will be Midsummer, which we've heard is fucked up and funny, which is ironic because this hereditary is not funny. Uh-huh. Um, so we're looking forward to that. We've got friends who say that want to go see it with us. Yeah. A girl from Chile and a girl from Finland. Mm-hmm. Basically, our friend from Finland said, I'm, I want to go just to judges from my perspective and see what they got right and wrong about the games about the whole midsummer tradition so but it's swedish yeah. midsummer yeah but, but, but she knows because yeah, we yeah. were talking about it and she was like oh yeah the swedish they do that like they're typical crazy swedes. they're yeah, typical swedes blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and i was like okay <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah we've got that to look forward to that's next week that's ari aster this is his first feature film if you haven't seen hereditary uh, I would recommend it even though we've just spoiled it it is really really good if Odette and Daniel are listening I hope we especially to Odette because we know she doesn't like horror films I hope we describe the horror enough like this film really freaks us out um, although you haven't went back and rewatched it so who knows if it's going to have the same effect on you second time round I'll watch it with you Odette don't worry but oh, oh, we don't have a Blu-ray player I was going to say we could watch it in October but we don't have a Blu-ray we'll download it I'll let my dad know so he can buy one. Buy a Blu-ray player and we'll take it with us. Um, So yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you for your reviews. Yeah, thank Thank you you for listening. Chucky was our most popular series to date. Kind of sad it's over. But I I mean, this is a totally different type of film. Like Chucky is funny. 
and enjoyable and hereditary just makes you feel ill <laughs> it's just it's just so sad i'm actually ill and you are actually ill <laughs> so you're gonna go lie down for a bit or oh, totally. watch tv yes i'm gonna finish I'm gonna washing watch, the dishes i'm gonna watch harry potter probably oh no i'm gonna watch that documentary about the jonas brothers that is on <laughs> <laughs> that is on amazon prime <laughs> okay uh i'm gonna finish washing the dishes i'll edit this and then it's only half two. It is only half past two in the afternoon. Good. So I know I can it's crazy. Just, just, just do nothing. There's so much of the day left. Like you've already worked a couple of hours. I know. We've done this hour-long podcast. Now. I've watched. I watched an hour a minute, an hour and ten-minute episode of When They See Us. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, we're rambling now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your reviews. Thank you for. Say nice things. See, internet's not that bad. Correct. Um, hasta la próxima.